This is Ryan. And this is Steve. And you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcast. Post-Thanksgiving edition. Yeah, this Black Friday. <laughs> Black Friday episode. Oh, man. I actually went to the mall today. Which one? I went to I went to UTC. Oh, okay. I uh, went around 9 o'clock in the morning, and I was expecting it to be crazy. I've never done any Black Friday stuff. By 9, it's pretty mellowed out. Like it's, Yeah. It's a busy, but it's not... It's like Black Friday, at least at that mall, because Melissa and I used to walk around there like every Black Friday. Uh huh. And I'd say by like nine, ten o'clock, it's down to like maybe two weeks before Christmas. So yeah. it's b- busier than normal, but it's not like, oh my gosh, there's so many people here. Yeah. I'm going to die busy. It was real, real mellow. I went to the Apple store and I bought myself a new computer because I'm about due. Uh, and also they had a deal where they give you a hundred dollar gift card oh nice so i figured uh i've been thinking about it for a while it's like i figured i might as well just wait till black friday to get whatever deal there is right but it's funny when i walked in there was like 30 employees there and like two or three customers no that's uh <laughs> when i worked retail at big five that's how black friday was is we would we would open at like 6 a.m and yeah. actually one i worked two black fridays there one of them i was there when the doors opened the other one I was scheduled to be there at six. So some people were scheduled to be there at like at five to do all the prep. Uh huh. Um, but I was just there to do sales at six. So yeah. I was just supposed to be there when the doors opened. I got there at like five fifty five and I guess ever all of the prep work was done by five forty five. So they just opened the doors. So by the time I was ready to work at six, uh huh, pretty much all the customers were gone. <laughs> Like literally, they ransacked the entire store in right. 15 minutes. How many customers do you think it was? I don't know. We probably had, I mean, uh, 15, 20 customers at like it doesn't 5, seem, 45 in the morning. It doesn't seem worth it to me. I think everyone just needs to chill out. You know, just take it easy, Black Friday. Go to the mall if you want, but you don't need to go there at 5 o'clock in the morning. No, you know, know it, it's gotten really crazy with all these deals. It's like, you know, door busters and whatever. Yeah. But so much of it is garbage. The thing that solidified my distaste for black friday i mean if you're if you want to do if that's your thing i know a lot of people it's like a family thing for them to you know uh they have like older kids or like their college age but you know they go home for thanksgiving and it's like a family tradition for them to go wait at the in the best buy line at three in the morning or whatever Uh uh-huh and i kind of get that like because it's a family thing um, and they're going to spend like two, three hours like in line hanging out. And it's like kind of the thrill. It's a thrill playing. It's like the lotto for me. Like totally you buy a couple scratchers. I don't care about winning. I just want that thrill. It's, I think it's the same type of person who likes, who gets the thrill of going to like Disneyland on a day when they know it's going to be insane. Sure. When they know there's going to be a million people there, they get a kick out of being around a ton of people being somewhere like when they know it's going to be nuts. Yeah. So the thing that solidified my distaste was a few years ago. I want to say it was Black Friday 2009. Okay. <laughs> maybe 2010. It was like at the deepest points of the recession. Sure. And they interviewed this woman outside like one of the best buys in town. They're like, what are you in line for? Or whatever. Like, what's your motivation? And she was like, well, times are really tough right now. You know, 
how else am I going to afford this 48 inch LCD? <laughs> and I'm like, if times are t- like for people who are legitimately thinking like times are tough, yeah, you're not thinking, oh, I you're really, not upgrading your TV. I really need this $600 TV, but I can get it for 350 on Black Friday. You know, I, I remember seeing that on the news and I'm sitting at home watching it through like a, my hand me down 27 inch CRT. Right, right. Going. Like if that is your idea of financial crisis, like you need to go be unemployed for a while. (laughs) You know, you need to be in a situation where get in touch with reality. Yeah. Yeah. You're not making a decision. Am I buying this television or buying groceries? You're just like, how can I upgrade my life? Right. Right. I need to upgrade from that 42 inch. Uh, So, uh, anything new, Steve? Yeah. Uh, I dropped this a little bit on the group this week and it, talk about it in too much detail uh-huh. um, but I, I made actually three gear per su- wow <laughs> uh, I made three gear persages per- you can do it Steve why I do be- I keep wanting to say persages I believe in you we're going to find we're going to tell everyone why you're not talking right in a little bit oh but- my god that's not even why <laughs> I'm just tired you I'm- got three you th- got three gear purses <laughs> <laughs> I made uh, three gear purchases there we go uh in the last week so i bought a uh loaded uh fender bullet pick guard uh-huh excuse me just to get the pickups and i'm hoping the pickups will fit the uh the covers that i have uh, but i bought that actually from one of the members in our facebook group yep. um, from uh chad i think it's chad no it's not chad uh justin it's like Christy and Justin Godan. I yeah, think it's Justin, like but maybe it's Christy that's in the group. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I bought that, and then I wanted, um, and then I you I think you sent it to me a couple pit guards locally. So I uh-huh. bought a couple strap pit guards that were loaded. Uh, I bought one of them because it had three covered pickups. Well, I sent you two ads the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then you were out Thanksgiving morning grabbing this stuff. So I did this Thanksgiving morning. I bought Getting your flips giving on. Yeah, flips giving for for real. <laughs> Today is the beginning of Flips Friday. Yeah, uh, not really. Tomorrow, um, <laughs> but uh, so I bought this pit guard because it, basically I spent thirty dollars on a loaded pit guard just to get pickup covers. Uh huh. Because um, pickup covers are like five bucks a pop. Yeah, and they're. You don't know what they're going to be like when they show up. Yeah. So these ones are like, uh, they're actually a really beautiful aged creamy color. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really going to work well with the guitar if I can match all the knobs and everything else. Um, and then the last, uh, the third thing I got was I dropped $300 on a pedal board. Uh-huh. I talked about this a, a little bit in the group. Uh, it's seven pedals. Yeah. It's seven pedals on an SKB uh, PS8, which is their powered uh, one of their powered pedal boards. Now it's funny because like they make a big deal about having internal power, but ultimately like it's a little more flexible than like a one spot. Right. It's the, a, it's a one spot that gives you, you know, like eight jacks Yeah. instead of one jack. Yeah. Instead of having a daisy chain that you have to like figure out the lengths, like it's a, has a daisy chain box basically, right, but right. nothing's isolated. One of the issues actually with it, when I was testing the thing out is that one of the pedals is the jam man solo, which uh-huh. is a neat little compact looper. Um, and it was introducing like all of this noise into the circuit. And I think it's just a, a looping problem, like a, not a looper problem, but a 
digital grounding, like yeah. noise problem with the power su- supply. I've had that problem running digital pedals on the same power supply, like on one spot with other pedals. Right. Like analog drives and stuff like that, you can all jump those on the same one spot and you're not going to have any problem. But if you throw in like a digital reverb or digital modulator or a multi-effects yeah. or something, you're going to get weird stuff happening. Yeah, this one. Uh, actually, I had a similar thing happen a, a week ago um, playing when I was playing guitar at church. Our worship leader just got the TC Electronic Nova Delay, I think. Yeah, the, the Nova Delay. The Nova Delay. And that thing puts out some weird digital noise. Into, yeah. And he has it running on its own power supply. And it still does it. Interesting. Um, and the whole time I thought it was something with my board that was going wrong. I kept like looking at it. And then it just stopped. And the reason it stopped is because he turned it off. Right. Um, but anyway, so I got the seven pedal board, 300 bucks, uh, the powered board. Oh, it came with a sweet Fender Frontman 15G. <laughs> um, that thing, actually, that thing's already back up on Craigslist for like 30 bucks. Yeah, that's a student. Maybe, maybe 40 amp. bucks. But if I can sell it for like 20, I'll call it good. Uh huh, totally. Um, and then the pedals were a Dunlop Crybaby. It's just the, I believe, the normal like, like $70 the Crybaby. Base model. Yeah. Uh, no, not the base. Well, the basic model. Right, right. I don't mean base guitar base model. model. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, and then uh, the signal path on this thing is like all kinds of nuts. It's um, So it's the wall. And then I think the wall runs into a Boss Blues driver. And then that runs into a MXR Phase 90. Okay. That runs down to a... Oh, no. You know what? It goes Blues driver and then down to a Tube Screamer. The tube screamer goes up to an MXR phase 90. Okay. That goes down to a DS1. Um, and then the boss DS1 goes into a Zvex Fuzz Factory. Uh, Ve- it's the Vexter version. So it's like the not the custom painted, but the uh, but the silk screen version. And then that goes into the Jam Man. So um, having Fuzz almost last in the line is crazy. Oh, it's it goes absolutely against That's like all Fuzz convention. Bonkers. Yeah. That's bonkers. Um, so anyway, like I brought, I haven't taken it apart yet because I wanted to bring it over to show Ryan. I've shown it to him. So I will probably be dismantling it tonight and taking photos and putting at least a couple pieces of it up on Craigslist tomorrow. Sure. Is there anything um, on there that you want to keep to mess around with or are you going to flip it all? I'm going to flip it all. Nice. Right now it's about maximizing. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Whenever I list things, I always say like, oh, we'll, tr- we'll consider a trade for this or that. So there are things that I think about, but there's nothing on this board that I can't already do with stuff that I have. The Fuzz sure. Factory is different. And I think if I was in a li- had a little more flexibility, I might try to hold on to that. Yeah. Uh, but that's really like going to be one of the key pieces i think for me to make money on this as a, as oh, like a flip deal that's the that's the top dollar one yeah and i mean i've got um i've already got a fuzz like on one of my boards and for my second board um i may just eventually like build a cheap fuzz or something like experiment yeah. with like a jordan fuzz or i, I don't know what i'm going to do yet but yeah. um Honestly, like I haven't even tried any of these pedals. I haven't hooked this thing up. <laughs> I just don't really care. Sure, sure. Like right now, like, like I said, I, when I get home, uh, I will probably sit down, open this thing up, take the whole thing apart. I'm going to keep all the patch cables. They're actually the. Well, patch, there you go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, the patch cables <laughs> are um, 
like Fender branded patch cables, they're pretty beefy. They do look beefy. Uh, I don't know anything about the quality, but if I remember, like these patch cables are like three or four bucks a pop. They're like the thick cable with the extra plastic sleeve over the ends. Yeah, yeah. And like the really heavy duty metal jacks. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, and I will hold on to those because Hello. you can never have too many cables. Well, you can't have too many, but. I've never gotten that many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so I'm sure you'll be updating us on on the progress of that and how the uh, the profit ekes out. Yeah, hopefully it hopefully it all moves pretty quickly. Yeah, so. I think we're I think we were both kind of imagining that you might be able to eke somewhere between like 150 and 200 dollars a profit yeah. out of this deal. Yeah, depending on uh, what you can get for this stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to decide. I mean, I always try to work Craigslist, but then I, I also I think you got to take this stuff to Reverb. I might may throw at least a few of these on Reverb. Yeah, uh, I need especially to the Jam Man and the 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 Fuzz. Yeah, what did you end up doing for shipping? Did you use like the pre pre? Uh, well, I know you shipped some of that stuff to Canada, so Canada's expensive. Yeah, uh, it's like. Any of those pedals, it's going to be like six bucks to ship them. Well, I was thinking, like, can, will those fit in a small prepaid box? Yeah, totally. Because I, I think so. Anyway, I mean, I think I, I sent them in the envelopes. You just you can put them in a in a box and then in one of the envelopes. Oh, okay, I don't I don't think I have any. I might have one or two small boxes right now. Sure. Uh, what I was thinking of is those. I think, um, I think boxes they, that you, you can get free boxes. It doesn't matter if it's. A box box or not, you could take cardboard and cut it up and tape it together and make your own box. Yeah, that's true. You just need to protect those things. Right. Maybe that's the way to go. And then would you just get like a giant padded envelope? They have the padded envelopes there that they stick them in. Right. I think I might have some at home. Yeah. But they might be too small. I'll have to look. So let's talk about uh, what we're drinking. Yeah. Um, so Should I read this letter? Sure. We got this letter. We got a care package basically from uh, what... I have called in the past the Central California contingent, uh-huh. uh, what they have now referred to themselves as. So I'll let Ryan read this email. Yeah. Well, it's not or an email. Not this email. is a, a printout. printed out letter from uh, these three guys. I'm going to burp real quick. Uh, nice. There we go. Uh, 60 cycle gents. Since we all know the show quality increases in direct proportion to the amount of alcohol consumed, we're sending the following beers as an investment in 60 cycle Humcast. Tioga Sequoia... <laughs> <laughs> Do you need me to read this? Because no, I, I got it. I got it. Tioga Sequoia Vanilla Coconut Cocoa Powder. <laughs> Maybe you do need to read it. Dude. I'm going to hand it to you. <laughs> You're a terrible person. All right. This is a Tioga Sequoia Vanilla Cocoa Porter. Uh, Tioga Sequoia is Fresno's finest. I Okay. If you screw this up at all, <laughs> I'm going to bust your balls so hard. Uh, Tioga Sequoia is Fresno's finest, i.e. only brewery. That's actually what they said. So it's funny is I skimmed this over. I told somebody like, oh, yeah, supposedly Tioga Sequoia is like the best brewery in in Fresno. And somebody actually said to me like, it's probably the only brewery in Fresno. (laughs) Um, This one tastes like the mountains. Good stuff. Definitely does. That's what we started with. Uh, It has a really kind of like a sweet flavor to it. But there's definitely, uh, I think the vanilla and cocoa really come on the tail end and it's nice. Yeah. It actually, what it reminds me of is uh, like hot chocolate, like. Mm. campfire hot chocolate yeah i, I could on. get that um so i think so we're doing that one the next one i think we will do um is oh you know what? let's save that probably save that one for last so we're going to save this one for last it's tayo sequoia double dry hopped general sherman uh 
the guy said, "We not the IPA. That's the IPA." Yeah, said, "We know you're not a huge IPA fan." Well, not, you, you are, Steve. I'm a. I like IPAs, and this is a double dry hop, so it could be good. Yeah, I'll drink them. Um, I don't. I don't hate them. It's just I prefer other things. Yeah, uh, but this might be the best beer in the world, according to Luke. <laughs> it's the Strymon of double IPAs. Oh, so it's overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, Barrel House Oatmeal Stout. Uh, that's the third one. That's actually the one that we will probably drink next. Yeah. I didn't realize that was an oatmeal stout. I would have drunk it f- f- over the, like before the porter. Sure. Probably. Well, we'll be oh, fine. We'll see. Uh, we claim same San Luis Obispo as Central California because it makes us seem cool. <laughs> Central Coast, Central California. My favorite thing about like Central California folks, um, not these guys necessarily, but probably. Uh-huh. Um, but like I've known some people who lived in like Bakersfield. Yeah. And they're like, Beach Day, and they drive like eight hours <sighs> to go to like Pismo. Oh man. And I live like and these people, the best thing about it is I've known people who lived in like Bakersfield, Hanford, Visalia, whatever, who over the course of the summer will go to the beach like four, four or five times. Well, that's why you get up to the coast in that area and there's a lot of like little motels and hotels right. everywhere because people come in from inland and just stay the weekend. Yeah. And they, yeah. they say beach day, but it's really beach weekend or beach couple right. days. Right. Well, here's the thing. I live like 15 minutes from the beach. Yeah. I went in the water like once this year. <laughs> we go down because my daughter likes the beach. Uh-huh. And uh and I like to walk along the beach, but like I'm I can walk in the canyon behind my house. Like I'm sure. Whatever. You can walk anywhere. You could walk in the hallway in your house. Yeah, just, just back and forth. Back and forth back and like forth. an animal in the zoo. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um we're we're also ordering you guys some of the stout glasses you mentioned on the last show because we believe proper glassware is essential to proper drunking or drinking. It's like using Mogami cables. So we are actually using those glasses right now. They're really cool. Yeah. Uh, and these, these are, are the, the glasses that you talked about a few episodes ago. I think it was two episodes ago, except I described them completely wrong. <laughs> uh, so these are the Spiegelau stout glasses. They were made in collaboration with uh, Rogue Ales. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's like a small kind of triangular bottom. I don't know what shape I would compare the bottom two necessarily. You know, it's kind of like a weird mushroom. Sure. Um, but what I'm, I'm trying to think of glass shapes. Uh, the sure. top is definitely like in the vein of, it looks a, like a wine glass of a top. narrow snifter. Yeah. Like kind of like a, a bulb or a bulbous wine glass. Like yeah. the top kind of reminds me, I have a tulip at home, a stone tulip. So, uh, but it it's supposed to be like engineered for excellent stout drinking, and it's a cool glass. I don't I don't know if it makes it actually taste any better, but I feel like I'm enjoying myself. So, and I <laughs> would you not be enjoying yourself otherwise? No, I would, but I feel like I feel like a fancy gentleman. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> thanks for spending time every two weeks. I mean, every week, <laughs> making us laugh. In Tim's case, cry. I don't know what that's about. He's an emotional fellow. And dream of the ultimate gear scores, the Central Cal contingent, Luke Mundy, Tim Ballant, and Jeremy Tuttle. Uh, P.S. Tremolo, not Tremolo. Whatever. 
<laughs> so I'm going to say tremolo however I want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I did it right just now or wrong. I'm not going to think about it. But thanks so much, guys. This, yeah, means, this is cool. This means a lot to us. I know it's not cheap to ship this kind of stuff around. Yeah. Um, and we're also not sure if it's legal, but yeah, whatever. We're totally not sure if it's legal. Hopefully, we're not going to be the ones who get in trouble for it. To, yeah, someday. hopefully, it's you guys. <laughs> hopefully, you guys are the ones who get in trouble <laughs> when the feds show up for um, uh, distributing spirits oh my through the, through the, like a federal organization. Yeah, we're going to enjoy it. So these next two episodes are brought to you by these guys. Oh, absolutely. It's brought to, uh, brought to you by them. Uh, yeah, big. <laughs> I'm feeling a little what? buzzy already. Dude, this thing's a 5-5. Five five. I know. I haven't eaten much today. Well, maybe you should have had some food. I know. It's my fault, right? Yeah. You got an ad? I do have an ad. Uh, first ad, we're going to hit uh, this carbon copy that came up. Let me pull this this thing up. Steve has run to the fridge to get the other beer. All right. This carbon copy came up on Craigslist today. And if if I had seen this... On Wednesday, you probably would have been picking this up <laughs> yesterday as part of Flip's giving. Yeah. Uh, 50 bucks, MXR carbon, co- carbon copy, analog delay pedal. Works perfect. I'm just not into delay and I need the cash. No tattoos, no trades, cash only, $50 firm. Pedal looks like new other than some dust. It's really dusty. It is really dusty, but you know, uh, it's really easy to clean off dust. So who cares? Wait. It- I, I, you, you can use like paper towels for that, right? Yeah, yeah, or like a Q-tip, oh. or like a can of compressed air. You hmm. could, you could lick it with your tongue. Gross. <laughs> uh, now you had a carbon copy. I did have a carbon copy, and I definitely didn't pay fifty dollars for it. I don't remember. I think I traded something for the carbon copy, and then I traded it away. I don't remember what I traded for it. Oh, I don't remember. But, uh, I, I thought you bought it for like 80 bucks or something off I eBay. Might have. I don't remember. But I wasn't a big fan of it for whatever reason. Like it just, like I have analog delays now that I really like. Like I really love my memory toy as an analog delay, which is kind right. of the same sort of thing. But for some reason, I just didn't connect this with it. And I flipped it. Uh, I traded it for a Polytune. Plus sixty bucks cash. Jeez. So, at, so that, that, at, at the time that was like a hundred dollars, yeah, hundred and twenty dollars worth of right of uh, trade. Um, now that's like a hundred dollars, like eighty dollars, whatever. Sure. But still, these things go any day of the week for a hundred bucks on Reverb. New, they go for one hundred and fifty. Uh, I don't know what they go for on eBay. I didn't check, but I don't know why this guy's selling it for fifty. But you definitely would have been picking this up yesterday when you you. So you actually sent this to me on my way over here. Uh huh. And uh, well, I wasn't on my way over here. I had to go to the store first. Uh huh. I went to the store, went back to my house, and then came over here. And I saw it on my way back, and actually, I was really like you were itching to turn around and get it. <laughs> well, I didn't know what it was for at first. All I saw was that you had sent me a link, uh huh, and then you said, "Whoa, uh huh," and I was really worried it was going to be like such a good deal that I'd be like, "Dude, we need to postpone podcasting for like an hour because I got <laughs> I got to run out and get this thing." Um, but the carbon copy is. I remember you saying you didn't like it because it was a little too dark. It was it was pretty dark. Um, and that's a complaint that I've heard about it before. But then I think it really comes down to what you're doing with your delays. Now, like you have 
at the t- before you got the carbon copy, you were using the DD3, and the Boss digital delays are really known for like their bright sound. Yeah, they're really crisp. And th- that was actually when I had that um, stereo memory man. Uh huh. That was one of the things that. I won't say that I didn't like about it, but that was different about it is I'm I'm really used to the DD5 or DD7 sound. Sure. Uh, which again, those are boss like bright digital delays. And the analog delay sound is so warm and like I mean for, for I think it's kind of a dark sound. Yeah. Um that it was just kind of like weird. It's not bad, but it's it's definitely different. And if that's something you're not used to uh it's it's a transition well i think a lot of those guys who are super into the carbon copy it's because they're these guys who are running telecasters into bright voxes right and so they've got this overly bright signal and they're always trying to tame down those brights uh and then they get this really dark sounding delay pedal that's kind of you treat it like an always on analog delay sort of thing and it brings their brights down into a normal kind of tonality. And so then they're like, oh, wow, this sounds really good. My Telecaster sounds really good through this into my into my Vox AC30. Uh, yeah, it sounds good because you're not like shrill ice picking your ears anymore. But for me, like most of my guitars, even like a lot of my single coil guitars, they're not overly bright. Right. Like I had a Telecaster and I got rid of it because it was too bright. Uh, I'm more into starting with a guitar that's a little bit darker and then running it through a signal chain that makes it a little bit brighter. Like that's kind of my tone recipe these days. Uh, Some people will probably say that that's super backwards or weird or whatever. I don't care. Ryan, that's super backwards. That's just just the way I do it. Steve is opening this other beer. Yeah, I think I can pour a little bit more. Yeah. And you can have the rest. When I finish mine, I'll hit that. Um, So, yeah, 50 bucks, killer deal on this. Yeah. If you don't like it, you could flip this and make another 50 or at least 40, you know. Once you get that dust off with your tongue, get it in there between the the knobs, you know. This actually um, is a thing that I think that... When you list stuff on Craigslist or any kind of used service, like can so easily um, bump up your guitar value is or whatever gear you're selling the sure. value. Freaking clean that stuff, man! Yeah, no kidding. Like what in it the takes, world? It takes half a minute with a piece of toilet paper to get most of that dust off. You yeah. don't have toilet paper? Yeah, you could bl- probably don't need a can of compressed compressed air. You could have just blown off yeah. most of that dust. Get a straw from Starbucks and blow it off. Yeah. Slacker. <laughs> yeah, lazy bum. All right, next ad. Yeah, we're going to talk about this ad. That It's another one that my wife sent. Yeah, this is in Topeka. Uh, yeah, it is, and it's 250 bucks. Yep. I'll read the description on this. Sure. Washburn D10 acoustic electric with select spruce top and mahogany back and sides. This is a one own one owner guitar of a professional musician who after coming down with cancer painted the top as a form of therapy. It must have helped as he beat it. 
In any case, it has a unique history and look and sounds and plays great. I'm having trouble reading it because I'm scrolling all over the place. <laughs> um, this thing is is kind of crazy looking. Like we did that Abraham Lincoln guitar a few weeks ago. That yeah. thing was nutty in its own way. This thing is, it's got kind of a very authentic 1966 thing going yeah, on. Yeah, you know what? It's on the one hand, it's goofy, but I think the story is is cool. Um, though with along with that, like I wonder if the story, it's given got, given that the story is real, like I understand the story, but then why would you be selling it? Yeah. It's got an Amer- it's got a bald eagle on here playing uh an electric guitar or a bass. I think that's a bass. <laughs> it looks like four strings. Uh and it's got a like a banner flowing around the bald eagle that says Freebird. And then there's some kind of little character poking its head out in between like stage curtains. Yeah. And then some kind of strange shape with lightning bolts shooting out of it. And it says Hank. It says Hank in the middle. And then a painting of like desert mesas. Yeah. Like a New Mexico sunset scene or something. Now, the biggest problem with this ad is it's a Washburn D10. And those things sell basically all day long on eBay for a hundred bucks. Right. Um, I don't know. He doesn't say anything about like, oh, um, got to sell this for some reason um or anything like that um so it's just kind of it doesn't yeah it's a paint job congratulations you like painted this it's folk art but 250 bucks just doesn't i don't know if it was a i i can i can understand paying extra sure i can't understand who would pay $150? I just extra. feel like this is the sort of thing. Wouldn't you want to keep this in your family? Yeah. Like maybe this guy, I don't know the guy's story. Maybe he doesn't have any family, but wouldn't you want to give it to, you know, someone that you know? Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he gave it to someone he knows and that person is selling it for whatever reason. Right. Um, but I don't know. I'm pouring this beer. Pour it, dude. Pour that beer. What I just noticed about these glasses is that if you want that last drink, you really got to go vertical with these glasses. Yeah. You're going all the way straight up. Well, I think that's supposed to like that's part of that design. Sure. And it's supposed to like really focus like the head so the head lasts long. That's actually one thing I noticed with the porter is like, you know, we took 10, 15 minutes to go through glass, but the head was there the whole time. Oh, totally. And that's part of the design for these glasses is is to have like longer hmm. lasting head. Hmm. Talking about head a lot. All right, yeah. let's hit that last ad. Say head again. Head. <laughs> okay, you hit that ad. Uh, sure. Uh, this ad was posted on the Facebook group by someone that we don't remember. Oh no, I found out. Oh, who was it? From Adam. Oh, from Adam Roar. Yeah. Uh, this is for the Dumble Overdrive special of Dumbelator in black. It's on Reverb.com for a cool hundred and ten thousand dollars plus two hundred and twenty-five dollars shipping. Um. So yeah, hundred and ten thousand dollars. That's like a really, really good down payment for a house. Apparently, the market is back on Dumbles, or the market has continued to skyrocket. Because uh, I remember when you could get a Dumble for like I don't know thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars. That's still nuts, <laughs> but it's but this is insane. Yeah, like I don't believe. 
that there's so much magic in these that they can't that you can't get the same sounds out of even something that you'd have custom built for ten grand. You know? It's really I don't know. I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry for Dumble. I don't know a whole lot about Dumbles. I know that uh, SRV used them, Steve Avon. I know that they're basically the sound of electric guitar on TV. Like if you watch like a detective show or like any show that has electric guitar oh, pro- really? prominently in like the theme music or whatever, it's probably a Dumble because they're all recorded like in the same studio. Huh. For the network, are you talking? Oh, for like networks, so like not necessarily the Friends theme song, but like the Law and Order theme song. Sure, yeah, okay. or like any like cop drama show, yeah, where you yeah. hear like an electric blues guitar, yeah, like doing a thing. So uh, here's a list. I don't know who all these people are, but this is what's on Wikipedia for notable players: Stephen Bruton, Larry Carlton, Robin Ford, David Lindley, John Mayer, Lowell George. Carlos Santana, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Henry Kaiser. Uh, that's the short list. Anyone with a crap ton of money. Basically, right? <laughs> um, well, so the thing is that um, I was reading a little bit about it, and uh, this is all from Wikipedia. These are all built by Alexander Howard Dumble. Uh-huh. Um, the, now, it has Howard in quotes, so that's like his nickname. What kind of nickname is Howard? <laughs> That's just a regular name. Um, That's the kind of name where if you have the name Howard, you get a different nickname. Right. Uh, So he said, or the article says, Dumble began modifying Fender Tweed and Blackface amps in 1963. Um, By the late 1960s, he was modifying and building high-gain amps in the way that Macy, Macy, (laughs) the way that Mesa Boogie and others did. But unlike them, Dumble was not really interested in the business of selling amplifiers in greater numbers and became a quote reclusive amp tech to the stars. Um, so basically Dumble as a company doesn't really exist. No, it's, it's like just strictly this, boutique. Yeah. It's just this guy. And um, it says uh, he builds his amps on special order. The company's PR is word of mouth. So basically, uh, and this again is from Wikipedia. Um, Carlos Santana heard of Dumble in reference to Stevie Ray Vaughan and was lent one. He was hooked for life. After contacting Dumble himself, he was able to buy one and then three more. Um, so it says Dumble's German importer in the 1980s made a clone called the Kitty Hawk Standard. But since the 1980s, Dumble has gooped. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he's gooped his preamps. Uh-huh. So... Um, Basically, if you goop right, it's really it's basically impossible right to trace the circuit back. It would take someone so, with like the patience of an archaeologist. Yeah, it's and like so hard to get that stuff off. Like a Dremel tool. Yeah. And like 30 years to get it all out. So um in 2011, vintage guitars, uh Dave Hunter estimated there were fewer than 300 dumbbells. Recent new builds sold for $20,000 and used ones for as much as fifty. Now, this one that is in the ad um, has comes with the t- what's called the Dumbolator. And uh-huh. I believe it's actually the Dumbolator 2, uh, but I'm not Oh, the sequel to the sure. Dumbolator. Yeah. And what the Dumbolator <laughs> is is a two-buffered external effects loop. Okay. Uh, um, 
So yeah, this guy just makes like crazy. So you stuff, know, you, you have your so effects rare. loop to run your uh, your phaser and your delay through. But don't worry, it's buffered by a tube. Yeah. <laughs> um. Actually, I can't even. Oh, there's the dumbbellator, and then there's some like crazy other thing. What is that? I can't even tell what's in this picture. Some kind of control modulator. Anyway, um, Dumble is one of those companies that always comes up and people are like, oh, it's so expensive. Like, that's crazy. Who would pay this much? But at the same time, it's one of those things where I think it's fine for those kinds of companies to exist. Oh, absolutely. Um, And a lot of people think it's dumb. Well, I think Bugatti is dumb. Yeah, totally. But I... I get that there is a portion of the population that's like, I really want a car that will go 265 miles an hour for 15 seconds, but that's okay because it'll run out of gas before the tires fall off. <laughs> I think it's longer than 15 seconds. But sure, sure. I think, I think anyway, um, you know, there's markets for these ultra high-end things. Yeah, or like a $300,000 Bentley or something like that. Right, you know? right. And And the thing is, is that, this has been a big discussion this week in one of the groups I'm in is at the end of the day, like whatever you play, just play it. Like, sure, sure. If someone else thinks it's stupid, well, that's their problem. Yeah. Uh, and this, we've actually been talking about relics stuff in this. Group. Uh, I don't even want to know any, anything. about. I it. think relic stuff is stupid, but if you want to play a relic, I've seen some relics that look great. Sure. This guy was saying like, if you play a relic, you're a poser. <sighs> And you're basically a terrible human being who's responsible for like flooding the market with with instruments that want to pretend that they're vintage, and people claiming that people try to take relic fenders and sell them as like legit vintage. No, that's not and, a thing that's happening. And it's like maybe that's happened one time because you had a, my my whole take is you like what you like. Just if you ever try to sell something, like don't be a jerk about it. Like there was be there, honest in what you're selling. There's a thread somewhere that I commented on a few weeks ago, and I basically shut down the thread that was about relics. And what I said was this We're musicians. Musicians are performers. We're stage performers. Guitars are instruments, but they're also props. Yeah. It's a stage prop. If it you know, you may not be able to afford a $60,000 vintage Fender, but you want to have that look for your stage show. It's a prop. It's That's a, a good prop. way of looking at it. If you're, if you're an actor in a movie or you're a producer in a movie and your movie needs to look like the 1940s, you go and you have someone who makes props make you pieces that look like they're from the 1940s to go into your movie. That doesn't mean you're lying. It doesn't mean... You know, it's inauthentic or whatever that you're a poser. It means you're putting on a show. Right. It's theatrics. There's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you're still just the guy at home who wants to look in the mirror and look like his hero. That's fine, too. Yeah. It's it's music. Just chill out, guys. You know, it's, there doesn't need to be full authenticity with this stuff. But authenticity should be within the music, not within, sure. you know, the appearance of the gear. Because if you start to make it about the appearance of the gear, then that's not authentic music anymore. And right. that's that's basically what I said, and it kind of shut down the discussion. 
Way to sh- way to break the internet, yeah. Ryan. But that's really what it comes down to. Like, you ain't Kim Kardashian. <laughs> hey, I got a pretty good butt too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll oil it up and you post know, a picture. You know more about Kim Kardashian breaking the internet than I thought you would. <laughs> that's pretty much the only thing I know about her. I don't know anything else. All right, let's uh, let's hit some topics. I just then. know that when I first saw that picture, I think it was on Tosh or something. I winced. I was like, "Oh, what am I looking at?" Was it? Well, there's a whole series of them. Let's not talk about this. No, let's not. I'm drinking this beer. It's real good. Yeah, this is the uh, who makes this? This the Barrel House Barrel House Oatmeal Stout. Oatmeal Stout. I'm liking yeah. it. That's good stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks, uh, Luke Monday, Tim Belint, and Jeremy Tuttle. Uh, I think they probably want the uh, Jimmy Jr. treatment, whereas we get yeah. sloppier and sloppier, we just curse their names. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our last ad. Uh, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, we we put out a. We said on the last episode that we hadn't been getting phone calls, and then we got a bunch of them. A whole bunch of phone calls. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> Phil keeps sending us phone calls. Well, two, but we like. He to, said he's going to call us every time he's yeah, bored. He's kind of threatened to call us constantly, and. Uh, Oh, excuse me. It's a good thing this number goes straight to voicemail. I know, right? Um, We posted a transcript of his phone call because it was super hilarious the other day. Uh, When when we get these phone messages, Google transcripts them and texts them to me. And they're always just chaos. Like, they never line up with anything. I don't know if you want to read a little bit of Uh, them. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for it right now. I think... um... Okay, yeah, here we go. So this is the transcript. Just read read like the first two sentences. Google transcript is so terrible. Uh, So anyway, this one says, So I have a question and any comments? Yes. So I have an hour firm young girl, California. Yeah, question, yeah. When you get a new style, the seventh. (laughs) Yeah, commons, yeah. See the high, This this is my size. Title suggestion. I don't know if I'm allowed to do this over the phone. Well, you said you have to to get your phone calls, and I thought, I'm going to come right now. 60. The number my phone. (laughs) Okay, I think that's enough. People can You can go on the Facebook group and see the whole transcript. It's just more of the same. Um, 10 is like sideways on the pedal, yo. (laughs) These are just random sense now. The the right yeah and then Mike yeah robot lands or maybe even do b- even better okay okay so I'm gonna play portions of this um of this call for you guys it's it's basically Phil calling in to make a submission for an idea for the pedal contest contest that we're running right now I figured we probably wouldn't play that part unless you no want let's to. play it all right whatever. but I'm gonna say this. Um, it, the best way to make the submission is through the email still like to email to <laughs> us. Cause then we can look through them all when we pick the winner where we, you know, like phone calls might get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate the phone calls though. Oh yeah. Um, so I'll play a little bit of it and then, uh, we'll continue on with the podcast. Fuzz, pedal, robot, um, art. And what I was thinking specifically is like, the robot's head is like sideways on the pedal. So the light, the LED is one eyeball. And then the foot switch is his other, is like in the place of his other eyeball. And then maybe up where the knobs are, there could be like kind of cartoony robot claws 
or some such thing. So it's sort of like offset, off center, like robot head coming from like the right and then like robot limbs or maybe. All even right. That was just a little that. excerpt of the, of his phone message, the idea for his pedal. Once again, guys, we're going to release this pedal when we get 500 listens on an episode. All you got to do is email us your idea for the art. And when we get those 500 listens, we will pick the best idea and you will get that pedal with the art that you want. So uh, we're, lo- we're looking forward to getting rid of this thing yeah. and moving on to our next contest, you know? Yeah. I'm sure we'll have something else lined up by then when this thing finally is done in a, like a year and a half from now <laughs> when we have 500 listeners. We're, we're doing okay. I think we're up to like 430, 440. Something, something like, like that. that. So Yeah, we're, get, we're getting up there. We just need a, what is it, episode 42? We need 70 more people to listen. Something like that. Yeah. So if you guys know 70 people, if you know 70 people who are willing to listen to our podcast. Or if you have 70 different devices. (laughs) Go out and buy 70 iPods. Yeah. Set them all up with different uh, iTunes accounts. Make 70 email addresses there's got to be some way that we can cheat the internet and set up like some robot that sets up itunes accounts and then automatically listens totally to unrelated but you know how you know there's some band like did that on spotify yeah yeah that's so much work though yeah they, they had all their fans do it they had yeah. their fans basically play their spotify tracks on yeah, loop it, it was like all one second yeah 20 whatever. 24 hours a day for yeah you know like a month or something. So anyway, Scott episode. Oh my gosh. Let's pick it up. Uh, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Oi, 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 oi. Uh, <laughs> Phil really wants us to do a Scott Did episode. You have, were you ever a Scott kid? I, you know, I, here's what I'll say. I grew up, I came of age as a musician during the time when ska was a thing. And I listened to a lot of ska, but I realize now that I'm older that I never got that deep into it. Okay. Like I scratched the surface. There was probably about a dozen bands that I listened to. Sure. Um, well, there were only a dozen bands worth listening to. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. I, I really enjoy ska. Like when we used to put on shows at that, at our venue. Right. I really enjoyed it when a ska band would come through. It's yeah. just, I mean, how can you not like ska? Especially live, it's just so energetic and so unless the band sucks, upbeat, and you know I love horns. I I'm a frustrated horn player because I tried to learn horn in fourth grade, right? And I learned all the notes, I learned all the fingerings. I could never get my lips to move right, and so that's kind of was my native instrument, except for the fact that I couldn't play it, right. Uh, so I still kind of love horns, and I love the sound of them. I love the dynamic of of a good horn section. Um, he, I think he asked a while back, or someone else asked to do a, a ska podcast where we talk about like getting the best ska tone. Oh right, or the best ska oh. equipment. Like, what do you for guitar? Like, you just need a guitar. You need a big, loud, clean amp that can fight a uh, a, a horn section. And you just never, just never ever strum down. Oh my gosh, you always strum down. No, it's always upstrokes, isn't no, it? No, you mute the downstroke. You ha- so okay. So this is a this is there's two schools. So we're actually going to talk about playing when technique. I when I when I ska strum, I do upstrokes. 
Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about technique because I was in a ska band, Ryan. <laughs> well, you're a punk ska band. Well, ska punk. we didn't have any horns, but we did yeah. a lot of upstroking. We I stro- thought you said it's all downstrokes. It's, no, well, it's all everything. It's, it's ev- all everything. Steve all right, says. Let me let me back this up. So there's two. There's back it up. Back it up. Back there, it up. Oh my god. <laughs> there's two. Uh, there's two schools of thought with playing ska guitar. Uh-huh. One is that, like you said, it's all upstrokes, and um. For like slower stuff, there's definitely like that sound that's like just that dink, dink, right, dink, dink. But that's reggae. Well, yeah, but reggae and ska have like similar roots in they Jamaica. Do. They do. Um, but because I was like a third wave player, like a third wave ska, which is like basically post sure nineteen ninety four or whatever. Uh, so it's kind of your no doubts, but then all of like mighty, mighty boss tones, Operation Frenzy, Ivy up Ivy, yeah. basically all of your ska punk, less than Jake mustard plug, West, West coast ska, West coast. Sure. West yeah. coast ska, um, super tones, sure. uh, are, are a big one. You, you uh, guys real were big, big fish. you guys were big five iron frenzy guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. And for all of that stuff, it's all about palm mutes. Yeah. So, I would play basically play normal guitar, and with my fretting hand, I would lift up off the strings on the downstrokes and then put them back down for the upstrokes. Oh, okay. So all of my downstrokes would be muted. So you get this like ding, 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 where it's like a mute followed by like really clean guitar. Right. Um, and um, so if you listen to like a lot of that stuff, um, that's what's going on. Uh. Because really, like, you can't upstroke fast enough to keep up. Like, you have to do full strokes. Huh. At least that's been my experience uh, with it. Um, but, yeah, definitely, like, clean amp. And if you're doing more, like I said, the third wave thing, you get a clean something with a really good clean channel and then something with, like, a, a solid drive channel. Right. Well, you need uh, that drive for that searing lead that you get every other song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying because, because in, in the whole, like, ska punk, whatever, third wave sound... It, it like you have these really clean like verses followed by like dirty choruses. Yeah, you'd have a lot of parts where you'd ramp up with like heavy chugga chugga stuff. Yeah, too. yeah. Um, so so that was kind of what I played, and I did that. I had a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe uh, when I was doing that. Actually, uh-huh. I went through a few, a few different amps. Uh, so Adam Powell and I were in a in a band together called Harry Backman. <laughs> we played like a total of two shows and we practiced a bunch of times and we recorded some stuff. Um, and for the, for the beginning of that amp or the beginning of that band, I was using a crate GFX two twelve. Oh, nice. Uh, which I mean, oh, that's the cab that I that use now. That huh? is the cab that you use now. Um, <laughs> and that thing worked. And actually at one point, uh, what Adam may or may not claim was the best sound we got out of that was running into a Fender Frontman 25R. Uh-huh. And then taking uh, like the output from that little amp and putting it into the uh, like preamp return on the crate. Oh, my god! So just using the crate to get it super loud. Right. Um, that's basically the trick that uh, that Cake uses to get their rhythm oh, guitar yeah. tone. Uh, well, pretty different, but the rhythm guitarist, the singer, he uh, he plays a classical guitar into a, like a frontman uh, oh. sixty, I think. 
Right. And it's just got the dirty channel on there, and that's how he gets that dirty telephone jangle sound. Right. Okay. Like, yeah, there's like a neat, like it has a, I have, like I said, I got that Frontman 15, like the dirt channel on it, it sounds tiny because it's a little amp, but yeah. it doesn't sound as awful as people want you to think no, it sounds no. like. Um, so that's kind of for me is like that's the basis for ska tone. But there's so many directions that ska has gone in the last decade. And something that I think maybe that you have said uh, to me in the past is as long as there are high school marching bands, there will be ska. Oh, absolutely. Because what uh, are those horn players going to do? Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, we had a few of them through the park gallery uh, when we were running that venue. And um, ska's just... It's really simple, and, and I think there's a lot of directions you can go with it, but really the key component, I think, uh, for for making more traditional-styled ska music, traditional-styled, whatever that means, like I'm thinking 80s, 90s. Um, you're thinking you're thinking of second wave. Yeah, it's, I'm thinking two-tone or third wave. It's yeah. upstrokes. Like, you have to have upstrokes, uh-huh. and you have to have, like, a walking bass line. Oh, like, some yeah. kind of walking bass line. And if you have a horn section, that's great. A lot of ska bands only had like one guy doing horns. Oh, totally. Like they had a guy that played the trumpet and they were a ska band. Uh huh. Um, because, I mean, putting together an eight piece band is, can be tricky, um, let alone maintaining an eight piece band. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, that, so that's that. Um, I've got to say, one of the very best, I would say the best off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's something else I can think of that might top it. But one of the, like, my top three probably shows I've ever been to was a fishbone show. Like there's no show like a fishbone show, like insane. And it's, they're not, they're not straight ska. They have some ska songs, right? They existed in that time when ska was a thing in Los Angeles and had they definitely have horn sections. They're very all over the place band. But when I think of like a really good ska show, that was it. Fishbone, man. Well, they had a, like Party at Ground Zero is yeah. very much like a two-tone. Like oh, it totally. actually is kind of like a hybrid two-tone third wave like kind of a sound. But there's a lot of a lot of bands that were kind of doing the ska thing, but like on the edge. Like what's the band that does um uh Ghost Town? Oh, the specials. The specials. Yeah. They uh, the specials are like a big time ska band. Oh, totally. Um and yeah, Rudy can't fail, and all that, all those other songs by the Specials. Um, and there's a band that actually uh, we neither of us have mentioned. We've mentioned them in previous podcasts, and I, we probably should have mentioned them sooner in this one. Uh-huh. Uh, that I hear puts on a really super show. Oh, Aquabats! The Aquabats! Aquabats are an awesome ska band. Well, they used to be a ska band. Yeah, and, and I mean a lot of ska bands. I don't want to say a lot, but a, a good number of them. Uh, I mentioned we mentioned Real Big Fish earlier. We mentioned uh-huh. Five Iron Frenzy earlier. Uh, to the to some extent, the Supertones. Like these were all bands that were like the OC at, Supertones. The OC Supertones, not to be confused with like the real Supertones. The, <laughs> the original Supertones. Is there another Supertones? They, they had to call themselves the OC Supertones because there's a surf band called the Supertones. I had no, I didn't know that that's was like, why. That's a Los Angeles based band. Oh, weird. That's been around for like 40 years or something. Jeez. Yeah. Um. So all three of those, it's probably the Supertones to the l- l- less extent of the three. Um all started out as um, full-on like third-wave ska bands. Yeah, yeah. 
And then like Five Iron Frenzy by like their fourth or fifth album was more of a rock with horns band. Yeah. Um, and Real Big Fish kind of did the same thing where they kind of transitioned from being like this. And again, it's the upstrokes, like the upstrokes disappeared. Uh-huh. If you're a ska band that's not playing upstrokes, then you're just a pop punk band with horns. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the supertones have kind of just like sometimes they're a rock band with horns and sometimes they're more of a ska band depending sure, on, sure. on what they're doing. Um, but yeah, there's just so many. There were so many good ska bands. Yeah. And some well, of there are- were so many ska bands, period. Yeah. Like that period of, uh, let's say, 1996 to 1999. For sure. Like you could not throw a penny without it like landing in a horn. Yeah. And then you, you had this whole <laughs> thing where uh, because you had like the uh, uh, swing revival yeah. in like 97, 98. There's a lot of crossbreeding in between started, those groups. Like, Oh, oh, you like the Mighty Mighty Boston's? You should check out Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, Squirrel Nut Zippers or whatever. And so, yeah, you started having this whole car- crossover. You had bands like um, 180 putting out like, they're like, oh, we are we were a ska band, but now we're going to put out a swing record. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of just cool and these were all like uh basically like not mainstream things so even though it was kind of a mainstream sound like it was a lot of the bands that were doing it were bands that were like flash in the pan and then went back into uh i don't want to say obscurity but they went back to not being the flavor of the week and sure and, and kept on trudging along sure i think there were even bands that existed outside of ska that wrote that aesthetic like you think of like who's that band that turned into like a Disney man, band basically, and they did like all the Shrek soundtracks and Smash Mouth. Yeah, Smash Mouth. Like they kind of rode that aesthetic. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas like they weren't really a ska band, but like ska was so popular that bands that were being mainstream were being made mainstream. Like kind of jumped on that look and had like the pork pie hats and like the, oh, okay, yeah, the yeah. bowling shirts and like just that and, whole yeah, look. checkerboard van, yeah, checkerboard and... thing. It's like okay, these guys aren't ska, but you ever think about how that pattern is called checkerboard? But checkerboard is actually yeah, red and black chessboard and chessboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. weird. Yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh I have nothing else to I say. I think we're done with ska. Yeah, I don't think we have time for that other topic. We're, really? No, we're at 57 minutes. No way. Yeah, we spent a lot of time at the, on the intro. Oh, man. Yeah, talking about Thanksgiving stuff. Okay. Um, we want to hit that topic next time? Yeah, we'll hit it next time. Okay, cool. That's good, because we didn't have anything to talk about for the next episode <laughs> anyways. That's not exactly <laughs> true. <laughs> We've got a lot of phone calls to work through, so don't worry, guys, if we don't get to your phone call this episode or next episode. Yeah, we'll get to it someday. Yeah, we'll get to it eventually. If you have... It's not that we don't love you. It's just that we don't care. Yeah, maybe someday if we have a lot of extra <laughs> phone calls laying around, I'll do some kind of big super cut as a, uh, as a mini episode. Are just you going like, to super cut a mini episode with phone calls? If you have like six phone calls, it's going to be like no, a 40-minute episode. I'm just saying I'll play nothing but phone calls. What we need to do is if we have a bunch of phone if we just get a backlog of topics, uh-huh. we need to get um the uh catchphrase timer. Oh my gosh. We read a topic, hit the timer, and then just talk about it until the timer goes That's off. That's gonna be so annoying. 
Well, then we get something that like will function as it. Yeah. And a uh, quiet timer. That a doesn't, quiet timer. That doesn't go tick, tick, and tick, then tick, as tick. soon as it hits like two minutes or whatever, like one of us, whoever's keeping time is just like time. Yeah. Then that's it. Yeah. Totally. It'll be like a debate. All right. So we're not <laughs> going to play a, uh, a, a song at the end of this episode. We're going to play one of the phone calls. We got a call from Jimmy Jr. Jimmy Jr. Um, filling us in on his take on our topic from last episode about boutique guitars and uh, the the struggles of buying them without having played them. So he's going to talk about that a little bit, and then we'll just end the episode. Starting next week, I think we're going to play Christmas songs. We have a Christmas song from Co that we'll play next week. And then after that, if we don't get any more submitted to us, we have our own catalog of Christmas songs that we're going to hit. So if you have a Christmas song that you want us to play that you've recorded or that your band has recorded or a friend's band has recorded, send it to us. Just don't send us like some like Mariah Carey song or something like that. <laughs> we, we can get that on our own. I promise. Steve has the full collection of Mariah Carey. That's not true. I only have one album. <laughs> yeah, but you have like four mixtapes that you made me. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thanks for listening. And uh, thanks, Luke Mundy. Yeah, thanks, Luke Mundy. Thanks, Timbalent. Thanks, Jeremy Tootle. Tuttle. I think it's Tuttle. Wait. Did, oh, Tim spelled out how we're supposed it's to. It's Blunt. How we're it? supposed to pronounce it. Blunt. Whatever. Lunt. Have we been? I've been pronouncing it Timbalint, haven't I? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All right. I mean, it matters. We'll say Balint. Well, thanks, guys. We're gonna finish. We're gonna hit that third beer for next episode. Yep. Hey guys, Jimmy Junior here. Uh, just finished your uh, last episode, and I thought I'd call in in response to the other Jim's question. So over the past year, I've kind of gone crazy on the whole boutique guitar and amp world, and. Uh, tried out everything from Trussart to Elliot, um, Cower, Built. I never tried a Roni yet, which I, I'd love to. Um, and in response to Jim's question, one of the best things to do is if you're actually serious about looking at any of these guys is calling them, getting in contact with this with them through email or anything. Um, with all of them, man, I can't say enough. Uh, Doug, uh, Elliot, uh, Joe Morgan, um, Frederick Chacon over at Divided by 13, all of them super personal. Um, these guys are building these things to make you happy. Like, that's their goal. Like, if you talk to Doug, um, Frederick, any of these guys, they want you to enjoy this product as much as you want to enjoy it. Um, so really just calling them, kind of getting a feel, talking to them about their instruments. Um, they, they enjoy generally talking about them. Um, I would also say in kind of the fear of buying these instruments is, uh, while going through this process, not every instrument worked out for me. Um, everyone loved the Tone Master from Elliot. It really didn't jive with me. Um, and I'm a Jazz Master guy. So I kind of found it odd that I didn't bond with the guitar immediately. But, uh, it was a great instrument. A lot of these, all of them are really great instruments. It really just comes down to what you like. Um, kind of discovering what you like before you start the process. Don't go in and just, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I want a neck that fits me, knowing exactly what that is, um, what you like and what you're looking for out of an instrument. If you're just looking for that next piece to make, you know, guys jealous on the forums, then you're going to end up wasting your money. But if you really know what you want, these guys out there are just making incredible instruments. And once again, I can't say enough about Doug Power, uh, Elliot, um, Frederick Cohn, and Joe Morgan, all of them, the ones I've dealt with, have been super great guys. So uh, any other questions, and uh, 
feel free to hit me up on the forum. Thanks.